Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm so excited to be joined by director and co-screenwriter Dave Mullins, co-screenwriter and EP Sean Ono Lennon, and producer Brad Booker to discuss their film War Is Over, which is now Oscar nominated for Best Animated Short Film. The film is inspired by John Lennon and Yoko Ono's anti-war peace anthem, Happy Christmas, War Is Over, from 1971, set against the backdrop of an alternate reality of World War one highlighting the song's message that there are no winners in war. Dave, Sean, Brad, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Good to be here, man. Thanks, Max. So, Sean, I have to start with you as the son of John and Yoko. Um, At what point in your life did you come to realize that this anthem for peace needed to be told in a visual format? And how were you connected with Dave and Brad to tell the story that you've crafted over the years? Yeah, well, actually, um, it wasn't my idea initially to do a clip for Happy Christmas. Universal Music Group had had asked me if I'd be interested in trying to come up with a music video for it. And um, actually, I, I went through a lot of treatments and directors submitting ideas. And the truth is, I actually didn't like any of the ideas. It's, it's not that the ideas were bad, but I just I just felt like a song that's so famous do we really need to listen to it with some random kind of collage, you know, a visual collage? So that's when I thought, well, maybe we could do an actual short film with a narrative and use the song as score. So I initially called um, Adam Gates, who works at Pixar, and I was wondering if he might help me, but he's obviously super busy over there. And he said, well, I can't, but I have a friend, Dave Mullins, who just left and started his own production company with Brad Booker. And so we had it, we took a call, and um, on that first call, we basically outlined, you know, 80% of the story that you see now, you know, down the line, a lot of stuff was changed in act three, but the basic premise of the chess and the pigeon, the messenger pigeon, Icarus, uh, playing, helping them play the game, we outlined on the first day. So there was a lot of inspiration and chemistry between us. And um, yeah, so that's how it happened. It was actually me not wanting to do a conventional video. Um, that made me find this solution of something more interesting. Right. Um, And Dave and Brad, what were your first reactions when you met with Sean for the first time to hear his vision for the project? And um, what was it that made each of you want to come on board? Yeah, you know, I think that, um, well, you know, mutual friend of of Sean with Adam, you know, he had... um, Sean had produced some of his albums and, and spoke really highly of, of Sean. I didn't know Sean. I mean, I knew of him, uh, obviously. Uh, I think the biggest thing was the song, um, the thought of working to create a narrative that um, brought the song to life on screen was the thing that I think pulled us both in um, right off the bat. And, you know, my it was sort of pitched to me as like, oh, this is going to be a music video. And, you know, Brad and I with Electro League, we we do more narrative content. Um, but, you know, it's like, well, let's check it out and see see what this is. And when, like Sean was saying, when we met, uh, he told me his plan to not do a music video, but to do a narrative. And I'm like, all right, we're in business. And I think the nicest part of it was Sean and I connected really quickly, uh, creatively. Like, we just... 
I always, I always say it's like dating, you know, it's like, like being, getting together and you have these big crews for making film and, you know, you, you, it is almost like dating. You either like get with somebody creatively and it, it's just there or there it, it's not. And for all of us, you know, Brad and I are very uh, creatively uh, symbiotic and, and, and Sean was that for us right off the bat. It was, it was really comfortable and very creative very quickly. And Brad, for you, your first reactions? Um, same. I mean, look, it was a we knew it would be a great opportunity if it lined up creatively. And and of course, I'm a producer, so budgetarily, we had some hoops to jump through to to get a project like this off the ground. But you know, we we as we say had lightning strike six times on this film, and the partners that came aboard just you know really propelled this thing to a whole new level that I don't think any of us, you know, when we originally, I think the initial talks were, yeah, let's do a, a, a five minute short film and we'll <laughs> put, put it in some, uh, yeah, we'll put it in some festivals and call it a day, but it turned into something and it, and it should have become yeah. what it's become. Like it, it deserved to be bigger. So you know, it's. Cause we, we were walking in it's like, okay, like we're talking about a three and a half minute, project and then you know we're developing the story and now it's five and like oh, can we cap it at eight and a half and then you know i think it creeped all the way up to like 10 or more yeah um, yeah i'm just because the story needed it and yeah that was that was a really um that sort of freedom was to to, to make that much film was really yeah. fantastic and as i've said or you know over the last couple of days we you know i i really Hats off to Sean for trusting us because there were some moments that were a little scary just in terms of a lot of different things on how how things came together. And Sean never wavered. He he trusted the process and, and you just kind of believe in the film and let the film guide us. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, there were definitely times when I was worried about it because I had never made a CGI animated film before. I mean, I haven't really made films before, but I've done a, I've done like one animation, like a hand-drawn one. But the process was really new to me, so I had trouble understanding, you know, what I was seeing along the way. <laughs> like some of the performance capture stuff, when the images first came in, like the blocking of the characters, I was really like confused. <laughs> at what I was looking at. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun in that regard too, because I mean, it was, it was a roller coaster ride. It wasn't just like smooth sailing, you know, there was a lot of, it was very emotional. That's called, that's called filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but that, that, that's my point. I mean, Sean yeah. could have freaked out and he didn't. He, yeah, he, he, you know. I freaked out internally and I yeah. kept huh? it to myself. That's good. That's, that's <laughs> the sign of a, creative to be able to do that um, yeah, it was wild yeah brad you mentioned a couple of the great masters you were able to partner with on this project i want to get to that in a minute but first for the writers dave and sean um at what point did you know that this wasn't just going to be your traditional music video and you were going to be telling more of a narrative story and how did you uh come up with this storyline of this heroic pigeon delivering messages across the battlefield from one side to another. I mean, our very first meeting, we decided that that it was going to be a chess game between opposing sides, like two soldiers who are, you know, committing treason by playing chess together, and that it was going to be a pigeon, a messenger pigeon. 
you know, I just, I love birds and, you know, I've, I, I, I've always felt like a, a connection to pigeons and like African greys. I really love birds because they're so smart and interesting. And I've always been fascinated with messenger pigeons because they're really like war heroes or like relatively unsung war heroes. And I've always just, and so when we, when the idea came up of like, well, what animal could be helping them play back and forth, the pigeon just seemed really great, especially because it gives, it gave us a chance to have these like aerial shots, which makes the whole thing more exciting visually. So, you know, we, we decided it would be a pigeon day one within the first couple hours. So that was cool. You know? Yeah. Dave, did you have anything to add or? Yeah, <clears throat> I, it, it was, you know, it's so funny that it happened so quickly because that never happens, you know, and, um, you know, from my point of view and, um, you know, as writer and director, uh, trying to, you have to, there's elements that you need that, that are core elements that are, if they're placed well, it's going to serve you throughout the whole film from just from performance and, you know, story structure and cinematography and everything. And, what was great about, like Sean's saying, what's great about that first meeting is we were finding those core elements really quickly. And every time we kind of, yeah, what about the, do we do a dog? No, it's not really going to work. Or what about you know, a pigeon? And then every time we found one of those elements, it, like the picture just gets bigger and bigger in your mind. And I knew from the very beginning that, that we're basically have something here that's, it's like really fertile soil. And you know, after our first couple of meetings, we had an outline and that night I went home and I wrote the 11 page screenplay uh, to which pretty much is what we made with some changes to the third act. But it was really, really quick process. So I that doesn't happen even on a short film like it, it usually like takes time to develop. But we it was crazy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, Sean, the release of the short at this particular moment just feels so incredibly timely given what's happening in Ukraine and the Middle East. Um, do you feel that the film has had a greater resident resonance with audiences as you've been sharing it with um, yeah. people yeah, throughout so, the world? Yeah, I mean, Brad actually tells the timeline of 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 the of of the process of the film in the context of what was happening around the world with Ukraine and then eventually with Israel and Palestine, but. Well, I'll just say that, you know, when we started the film, the Ukraine war had not broken out yet. So when that happened, it was spooky. You know, it just felt like, wow, suddenly this song is has real gravitas and, and, is, and is contemporaneous in a way that we weren't even thinking about. Um, and then, you know, the, the wars around the world just continued to escalate while we were making the film, and it was really spooky and you know, it, it, it's difficult. I mean, in a way, it's beautiful because it for the film, because it makes the film have real resonance. But, <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a terrible thing. And frankly, uh, we were all pretty, pretty traumatized. It was a pretty dark moment when we realized how much the film was, was, was relevant, <laughs> suddenly. So yeah, but um, Brad, maybe you want to tell the out uh, the the outline because i don't i don't remember dates as well as brad does he's very good at that okay. so when was the actual timeline yeah i think when we met sean originally it was june of uh 2021 so ooh, that was like what almost eight months i think the the war broke out officially there was a build-up leading up but the war broke out um 
February 24th. So we're, you know, we were about eight months ahead of things. But as we were working on it, we could feel the build, the build up. Um, and I think we, it was like January when we started to cash flow the first little bit of the film. We hired our production designer, um, uh, Zach Retz and our character designer, Max Narciso. Um, they started doing all this beautiful artwork and we kind of got this little package of artwork together and I flew up. It would have been, uh, well, it, the war broke out on February 24th and a couple weeks later, I'd flown up to Northern California. Dave picked me up. He lives up there and picked me up at Oakland and we drove out to see Sean, um, and showed him kind of what we'd been up to. And over the course of that meeting, which lasted almost 24 hours, um, <laughs> we, <was> fun. <laughs> we, we were at dinner. And I think after the second bottle of wine, uh, we started texting with Peter Jackson. I had worked with Peter on Lord of the Rings 20 years, almost to the day ago. And Sean had just worked with him on, uh, on get back. So there was a fresh relationship there. And Sean texted, Peter telling him what we were up to. He's like, great, send the script. So Dave had a heart attack. We, we, we sent the script to Peter. And the next morning we woke up to a message saying, I love this. I want to meet with you guys tomorrow, which was that Saturday. And uh, yeah, we did a two hour call with uh, it was Peter Jackson, Claire Olson, his producer and David Connolly, the head of Weta effects. And they were in, like pretty much right off the bat. But I think towards the end of the conversation, Peter, you know, really kind of had a little speech about how important he thought it was. And, you know, he understood John and Yoko better than just about any, anybody outside the family. And he's like, look, this message needs to be delivered to a whole new generation. And, and he's like, we're in. So we were kind of off to the races. And then from there, uh Lightstorm got involved and then, Epic saw some of the first stuff come out. Um, you know, we actually shot it on the the Avatar stage at Lightstorm in Manhattan Beach. Um, it, that serves as a base for the animation, and then we we the animators at Weta go in over the top of kind of what we capture on the stage. Then Epic got involved, and they put a bunch of um, you know support behind it. And then, of course, Thomas Newman was like the final great beautiful lightning strike for the film. Um, and you know, the rest is kind of history. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's incredible that Thomas Newman came on board. I don't believe he had ever done a short, um, no. before. So, um, what made you both think of him as the right person <laughs> to compose this story and how did oh, yeah. you come yeah. on board? I, Dave, I know you've done a bunch of Disney stuff, um, in the past, like, or he did with finding Nemo and Wally. So were those uh, connections, w what made this happen? Well, or? Yeah, that's that's actually right. Good good uh, journalism there, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, from day one, I mean, the first conversation Brad and I had about composers, I was like, I want Thomas Newman. And Brad's like, hey, okay, all right. Yeah. You know, so, no lofty goals there. Yeah. 15-time Oscar nominee. We'll just run out and get him. Yeah. So, which we, which we did. Um, but you know, the the thing for me is, yes, of course, I know him from the Pixar films and, you know, all the work he's done there. But, you know, for me, temping the 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 film and temping the music for the film, what the, the music I always had in my mind was 
Road to Perdition, um, you know, some 1917 a little bit. Like he's done a bunch of um serious I mean, obviously he's done a lot of serious non-family films, but those are the those are the, the scores I had in my mind when I was watching the film. And so um we were working with a temp track for a long time with our music supervisor, Vicky Height, who you know, as the story, like, you know, the, the film changed and morphed and, you know, basically you're, you're, you're like fitting it into place to what it wants to be. Um, she was taking all the temp music and sort of making that work at every iteration. Um, but we had that temps, you know, that temp score for the entire production and, you know, all the way through Final Image. And it wasn't until what was it September of last year I finally reached out to Jim Morris, who's the president of Pixar, and I, I said, "Hey, you know, do you, you know Thomas Newman, or you know more Michael Gorfain, his his manager?" He said, "Yes, I do." And I said, "Okay, great." I said, um, "Jim, can I share my film with you? And um, maybe if you like it, would you, um, you know, would you share it with Michael Gorfain?" He's like, "Sure." So he saw it. He liked it. He shared it with Michael. Michael loved it. He said, Tom's doing this before Tom ever saw it. And then he shared it with Tom. And, you know, from a Friday, you know, sharing it with Jim Morris on, on Friday through Michael Gorefay to Thomas Newman. Monday, where we're meeting with Thomas and talking about score. That's much he, he loved the, the, the film. And, you know, again, it's like Brad saying, it's like, like happy lightning hitting the film. You know, it's like the sixth time it hit it. And we just had such a great experience with him. You know, I knew that he would be able to be the voice of the characters and the the, the soul of the of the film sonically, um, and you you know what I'd hoped for. You know, it was ten times what he delivered. He just he just killed it. It's fantastic. Like I couldn't be ha I could not be happier with the score. And plus, he's like I don't know if you've ever met him, but he's like the nicest person you will ever meet. Like he's kind and creative, and like I, I just love the guy. Yeah, and what you mentioned. I mean, before. I definitely was. Yeah. I was really worried about the score personally because, as a musician, I'm like pretty picky. And as soon as I heard the first mock-up that Thomas did, I was like, okay, perfect. <laughs> like it was just, you know, there was yeah. just there was no doubt. Whereas that that rarely happens. So, yeah, it was pretty remarkable. He's he knows what he's doing. Right, and, and as you mentioned before, the fact that his past work was in war films and also in animation. This was just the perfect combination of um, those two areas that he had been working in, in his career. And you can't go wrong with someone who's a 15-time Oscar nominee to come on board here. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, like I listen to a lot, like I listen to scores the way people probably listen to pop music. And I've probably listened to his scores more than anything in my playlist over the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, so for Dave and Brad, I believe this is your first project out from your newly created animation studio, Electro League. Um, Dave, before starting or the studio, you had been with Disney as an animator and a director for many, many years. Um, was this shift toward creating your own studio and developing your own projects so that you could tell more um, impactful, socially conscious films such as um, the anti-war message in War is Over? Uh, yeah, I was with Pixar from 2000 to 2020, like 20 years to the to the day. Um, leaving Pixar, you know, um, I learned so much at Pixar. I, I had a very good experience at Pixar. I mean, like I said, I called Jim Morris to help us out on this film. He's the president of Pixar. So it's a very tight family there. 
Um, but at a certain point to be able to make projects that were kind of outside the family space, which is what Brad and I want to do and why Brad brought me on to Electro League because we both want to make more. I want to say it this way. We want to make more mature films, and I don't mean more mature like sexy. I mean more mature like mature films that are aged up. They're kind of edgier, and, you know, they're the stuff that we watch. And we've been in that family space for a long time. So for Brad and I to start this company and um, make this project, this is sort of like a calling card for, like, these are the types of projects we want to do. This is the style of it. So, yeah, I felt like... Pixar is great at what Pixar does, but, you know, they have other ambitions that I want to do outside that family space and outside that that sort of style of filmmaking. Yeah. Um, I had one last question, and that was for you, Sean. Um, I have to ask, has your mother um, seen the final product, and what was her thoughts as you were working on this over well, the last couple of you know, months? honestly, it's a big deal that she has let me kind of try something so... Uh, I guess risky because there, you know it's sort of something that isn't normally done making a short film and using a song as a score instead of just doing a regular <laughs> video clip. So I just feel really grateful that she let me try this because you know she's she's been the boss lady for for, for my whole life and so you know she's turning 91 on the 18th in 2 days and um she you know she's finally at the point where she's sort of like trusting me and allowing me to to try new things. And so, yeah, I think she's really thrilled. You know, the fact that we got an Oscar nomination is, is, is about as validating as it can get. So I feel like it went from maybe being a little unsure about what I was trying to do to, um, you know, me feeling vindicated that, that it, it was all worth it. So, yeah, I think she's happy about that, but also, you know, I'm just happy that she lets me try things now. Yeah, I mean, what a great tribute to not only her work, but just her as a person and to um, see this Oscar nomination, I'm sure is entirely validating for um, um, her and you and, and the team. Yeah, and also um, to Universal Music Group, because I think they might have thought I was a little crazy at one point. You know, they wanted to do just like a regular music video. And I was like, well, I have these guys who used to work at Pixar, you know, we're going to be doing this like little movie. And they're like, they're, they didn't, you know, they thought I was nuts. So right. <laughs> once the Oscar nom came through, it was just like, I'm like, see, I'm not that crazy. And so everyone loves it now. But, you know, while we were making it, there was definitely some eyebrows being raised. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, you're a genius. Yeah. It went from like, you're crazy to like, maybe not so crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I feel very vindicated. Yeah. And when you have people like Peter Jackson and Thomas Newman behind you, you, you can't yeah. be wrong. Well, that was just incredible luck. I mean, I'm so grateful. We're all so grateful. Um, without WIDA, we we wouldn't have been able to do it. I mean, we would have done something, but it looks like, a, you know, it looks like a major Hollywood film. It's such high quality. And we got all that work from WIDA because they were just really generous. And and it's amazing. Um, and so, yeah, we, we're very lucky that, that Peter Jackson helped us. But also, you know, Brad got Jim Cameron's stage for the performance capture and then we got thomas newman which was a miracle as well so there was just a lot of fortuitous stuff that happened and you know i'm very aware of how lucky we were well congratulations again to all of you not just on the oscar nomination and all the awards success but i think the influence that this film has now created and 
in introducing the message of Happy Christmas to a new generation of audiences to discover you, and rediscover. Um, so, yeah, thank you all for your time. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you so Max. much. Thanks, great, great meeting you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Hollywood podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.